0: Welcome to Season 5 of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Refreshing and captivating interviews with sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. From Mike Greenberg to Ryan Dempster, Dan McNeil to Sarah Kustak, they reveal entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories some you've never heard before. I'm your host, George Hoffman, and please follow or subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is proudly sponsored by Vienna Beef, home of the Chicago hot dog and an institution since 1893. Find them at ViennaBeef.com. And by Dynamic Manufacturing, awarded the General Motors Supplier of the Year 23 times. They can be found at DynamicManufacturingInc.com. This week we feature part one with the outstanding voice of the Green Bay Packers and one-time voice of the Chicago Bears, Wayne Larravee. I think you know this happens in our society
1: when when you really believe in yourself in your way that sometimes uh, that rubs people the wrong way for whatever reason in our society today uh, aaron Rodgers uh, holds himself and everyone else to a, a pretty high standard
0: and in that regard sometimes that rubs people the wrong way it seems like I'll bet you didn't know Wayne Larravie is the only broadcaster to be the voice of both the Packers and Bears. Quite an achievement, given the fierceness of this 100-year rivalry. But Larravie is best known for his time in Chicago, where he called the Bears for 14 years, along with Michael Jordan and the Bulls, the Big Ten Network, and some Cubs games. And did you know that he's an avid skier? So, Wayne Laravy, tell me a story I don't know. <laughs> well. Well, George, I'll bet you didn't know
1: that Michael Jordan uh, actually did analyst work on a telecast that I worked on. Um, It was early in his career in Chicago, but he was a star. And I want to say it was the late 80s before the Bulls started on their championship run. But um, there was the city championship game. It was held at the old UIC Pavilion. And uh, they paired me, uh, Tribune Company was actually producing the games at the time, and they uh, contracted me and Michael Jordan to do this city championship game. And all I'll remember is that, um, you know, what they had to do was they had to kind of sneak Michael Jordan into the arena. So they did, and, and I had never met Michael Jordan, and I had my uh, young son at the time, Scott, with me, my oldest son, but he's, he was probably, oh, maybe about uh, eight years old, maybe nine uh, at the time. And so, uh, you know, he, uh, he was with me, and we met Michael Jordan. We had our production meeting uh, in uh, a lavatory under the stands of the, <laughs> the arena, and Michael was eating Kentucky Fried Chicken as we discussed <laughs> how we were going to do this. So anyway, um, you know, we, we decide, okay, the, the, the stands are filled with people and, you know, we can't bring Michael out for the normal stand-up that you would have at side court. So what, what they did was they waited for the national anthem to be played. And this is where they turned down the lights and they had the singer out on the court, that type of thing. And all the attention was on center court. In the meantime, they snuck Michael from under the stands to the broadcast position at uh, center court. And uh, when the lights came back on, the crowd went wild. But it it was quite an experience. It really was. How was he as an analyst? He was pretty good. I thought he was really good, man, for a, you know, it was his first time and, um, you know, that type of thing. We had some, it was a, you know, a low level type of uh, broadcast. I mean, it was television, but. We didn't have all the bells and whistles and everything. And I remember saying to Michael at one point, you know, real TV isn't like this. So I, I was trying to caution him. Don't, don't throw away your opportunity in television, if it ever comes along. And of course he never wanted to do that.
0: No. And we'll talk a little more about Michael in just a couple of minutes, but not only have you been the voice of both the bears and the Packers, you called two Super Bowl victories, one with both teams. So I'm wondering on your off days, do you spend time wearing a cheese head while also donning a Walter Payton jersey? <laughs>
1: no, I really <laughs> I really don't wear team apparel very much, except for New York Yankees when I play golf. And that's been my childhood team from uh, you know, way back.
2: Fastball hit the The one home runs and they're still fighting for that ball out there people are climbing over each
1: other's back that's about the only you know I, I just don't wear <laughs> team gear for the most part um you know it, anywhere and it's nothing against the teams by the way I just don't have it really in my uh,
0: wardrobe is there a way to describe the difference in calling these two iconic franchises You know, George, they're extremely
1: similar from the standpoint of we as broadcasters deal, um, you know, with the audience more so than the teams in that um, our feedback comes primarily from the audience. And uh, I would say the two fan bases are very similar in that they are extremely passionate about their teams. Um, They are extremely critical about their teams. And they are extremely uh, put off if anyone outside of their fandom criticizes their teams. So you better not let somebody from the outside criticize the Bears or somebody from the outside criticize the Packers. Uh, But the people, the fans, they're they're so into it. They're so into the X's and O's and everything else about it. They're very knowledgeable and passionate that a lot of times um, they dwell a little more on the – The negative rather than the positives with their teams i've found and uh, maybe that's the way fans are in general but certainly these two fan bases very similar in that regard
0: well hell this rivalry has been going on now for a hundred years the bruising
2: beginning occurred in 1921 when the packers played the chicago staley's who became the chicago bears one year later the tone for this rivalry was set right from the start when Chicago guard John Tarzan Taylor's sneak punch broke the nose of Packer tackle Howard Buck. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's got roots in, in its family tradition when you think about it, um, you know, on both sides of the state line. And, uh, you know, I, I think from an NFL standpoint overall, it, it maybe has faded a little bit. But um, when you lo- look at uh, Packers and Bears fans, Um, It it is every bit as uh, important as it ever has been. And that's been really what keeps it going. And it's the local, it's the family traditions that have evolved around this rivalry. And uh, I think it's the greatest in all sports for that
0: reason. And there's something also noteworthy, and I think this is unique to the NFL. They play in iconic stadiums for seemingly forever, albeit Soldier Field doesn't look the way it used to. But Lambeau Field looks even better after a little bit of a facelift. I mean, I can't think of many other franchises that play. Matter of fact, any of those franchises that play in stadiums that have been around that long. Yeah,
1: George. I mean, you look at all the stadiums today and they all look about the same. Uh, some have a little nuanced differences here and there, and you can see it when you go there, but most of them are essentially the same soldier field is different. And certainly Lambeau Field is as well. And, You're exactly right. Two old stadiums for two iconic teams. But I wonder how much longer the Bears are going to be playing in their iconic stadium there on the lakefront, because it sounds to me like they're going to move up to Arlington Park.
0: Vienna beef, two words synonymous with hot dogs. They're the home of the Chicago hot dog and an institution since 1893. If you've had a hot dog, chances are it was from Vienna. And did you know there are more locations selling Vienna in Chicago than McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's combined? There's nothing like biting into a juicy and delicious pure beef Vienna hot dog dragged through the garden, which includes yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and some celery salt. And oh, those Polish sausages dripping with flavor. And look for the spicy smoked sausage available in your local retail stores. It includes a perfect blend of seasonings such as crushed red peppers and brown sugar, creating a bold and zesty taste. Vienna products are available in restaurants, grocery stores, and entertainment venues such as the ballparks cup. And socks, stadiums, museums, and zoos. Plus, you can purchase them online, coast to coast, at viennabeef.com and on Amazon. And remember, Vienna is not just hot dogs and sausages. Look for their farm makers' chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Check them out at viennabeef.com. So here we are getting ready for another season after a rather strange one, to say the least, for Aaron Rodgers. He was, Wayne, the focal point, and mostly not for what he did on the field, although the Packers, of course, again, didn't make it to another Super Bowl. He's skewered by the media for a variety of reasons. He's a diva. He won't get vaccinated. He lost out on the Jeopardy job, threatened not to play for the Packers. Then he did, but he couldn't get him to the Super Bowl again. He's named the MVP a fourth time. And on top of that, he becomes the highest paid player in league history. I would suggest that one could write a book on this just in the course of the last year. So who's the real Aaron Rodgers?
1: (laughs) Well, George, um, you know, amid all of that stuff that people know on the outside, on the inside, Aaron Rodgers is a uh, very idealistic, generous human being. He really is. And, you know, if you're one of his friends, uh, you will have no better friend than Aaron Rodgers. Um, so in that regard, yeah, I, I mean, I see what he does with kids, with Make-A-Wish kids. And, I, and you know, the things he does in the community, um, the way he stepped up during uh, the pandemic for businesses, that type of thing with his own money. And helping to raise money to uh, to help businesses that were on the brink of going out of business due to the pandemic, um, you know, I, I see a guy who's really a a really outstanding human being. Now, Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, I mean, he's a uh, he's a competitor and a competitor both from a uh, playing standpoint and a business standpoint. I mean, you know, Hey, listen, uh, if you're the best in the business, you should be paid the best, most in the business. And that's kind of where he felt uh, going into this off season. And that's what the Packers made him but
0: to borrow from the Godfather part three, just when you thought he was out, they pulled him right back in. Rodgers apparently staying with the Packers. According to NFL Network, Rodgers is reportedly agreeing to a four year deal worth $200 million.
1: Suffice to say, uh, the Packers made the decision that uh, their best road to the Super Bowl is through Aaron Rodgers.
0: So why has he become such a controversial figure? I think because George he has a uh, he's a very
1: idealistic person. Um, his standards, his idealism. I think you know, this happens in our society when when you really believe in yourself, in your way, that sometimes, Uh, that rubs people the wrong way, for whatever reason, in our society today. Are you vaccinated? And what's your stance on on vaccinations? Yeah, I've been immunized. Everyone in the squad knew I was not vaccinated. Everyone in the organization knew I wasn't vaccinated. Some of the rules to me are not based in science at all. They're based purely in trying to out and shame people. Uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, holds himself and everyone else to a, a pretty high standard. And in that regard, sometimes that rubs people the wrong way, it seems like.
0: So he's still with the Packers, but Devontae Adams isn't. And he is arguably the one of the best, if not the best receiver in the NFL. So how come Aaron Rodgers is back, but Devontae Adams is not?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting, George. Last year, um, they declared, Devontae and Aaron, that this was the last dance because everyone knew the Packers had salary cap issues, keeping the team together, etc., etc. They were going to run it back one more time, make one last run at the Super Bowl. What we didn't realize is that it wasn't just it wasn't the last dance for Rodgers. Uh, and many of his teammates, it was the last dance for Devontae Adams. And, you know, being unable to sign him before the season last year, from the outside looking in, um, that was an opportunity the Packers were unable to capitalize on for any number of reasons, few of which I know. Uh, But, you know, when you got through the season and Devontae, his contract, they were trying to deal with it, it became very clear that he didn't want to play in Green Bay anymore. And he wanted to play with his uh, college quarterback um, from Fresno State. uh, And he wanted to play with Carr in Las Vegas with the Raiders. The team Devontae uh, grew up in the East Bay following. So, you know, it became a situation where, yeah, uh, you know, maybe if the Packers had been able to get this contract done a year ago before training camp, maybe none of this would have ever happened. But when it didn't come together for whatever reason, That gave, I guess, Devontae an opportunity to allow these thoughts to germinate and say, hey, wait a minute. I think it's time for me to go somewhere else. And I would love to go and play with Carr um, at um, Las Vegas, my college quarterback.
0: You know, there's probably salary cap reasons too, weren't there, that the Packers were at a point where they had to get rid of some players?
1: They did. uh, You know, They were up against the salary cap. Uh, They did a lot of renegotiating of contracts. They pushed a lot of money into the future. And they lost some players they would love to have, uh, several, on that team. Um, Devonte was one of the guys they desperately wanted to keep. He was not cut. He, uh, I'm sorry, not cut. He was not traded because of salary cap considerations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted to make a deal with him that would have lowered his cap number and extended him for a long period of time. They matched him the contract, and then some that the Raiders were able to offer Devontae. But in the end, it came down to the players saying, I would rather play in in Las Vegas, closer to where I grew up, and uh, for the team I grew up following. And, you know, when that happens, I think at that point in time, then you try to do what's best for the player. There wasn't any real animosity. Um, You know, Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, said the next step he looks forward to is seeing Devontae, um, you know, inducted into the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. So Devontae Adams, uh, I got to tell you, George, handled himself throughout this whole thing with a great deal of class. Um, you know, he was playing out his option. Uh, he's was playing at a high level, higher than anybody maybe except Cooper Cup in the league last year, uh, was generally considered to be the number one receiver in the league. Never complained about the contract that was not agreed to before the season began. Never complained about that. Um, but in the end, um, I think that Devontae relished the opportunity to maybe make the call. And, and that's what he did, essentially, by saying to the Packers, thank you, but no thanks. Can you work a deal with the Raiders?
0: Want to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know? It's easy. Just follow me on social media, at George Hoffman. That's O-F-M-A-N. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please follow or subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too?
0: We resume with Wayne Larravee on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. You know, there were a lot of Bears fans here that were absolutely hoping that Rodgers would be traded because they figured, oh, you know what, if he's out of this division, we got a better chance. Okay, he's not, so the tormenting will continue. I certainly remember the game last year at Soldier Field when he beat the Bears again, and then he yelled to the crowd uh, in the end zone, I own you. Rodgers snaps it quick, pressure coming, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Right
2: on
0: cue, Joe. You. You. Well, he does. Fact of the matter is, even if Bears fans hate him, I think there's a lot of grudging respect for him because they can't beat
3: him.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, he does seem to have Chicago's number. Even some of those very good Lovey Smith teams, uh, Aaron Rodgers has been able to play well against those teams, including the NFC Championship game following the 2010 season, um, where he he will tell you that he didn't play particularly well that day, but he made the one play that might've saved the game for the Packers. When he threw an interception to Brian Urlacher, he made the tackle on Brian Urlacher and prevented what would have been um, a uh, scoop and score for the bears. Great middle linebacker. Rogers nowhere to go with it until now. And he's picked. Urlacher. Rogers in a foot race. Erlacher tripped up. Aaron Rodgers made the tackle, a 39-yard return, and this defense for Chicago just gave the Bears and these fans what they needed. You know, he has, I mean, the numbers say he's, um, he's had Chicago's number. And you know what, George, it really means something to him because he has over the years become a consummate Green Bay Packer. And if you're a consummate Green Bay Packer dating all the way back to Curly Lambeau, the Bears are the team more than any other team you want to dominate. And I, by the way, and I know this for a fact, the same holds for the other side as well.
0: <laughs> yes, I know that because you were here for so many years. So Rogers is back. So too, for a second year now, Justin Fields with the Bears. I want to get your impressions of him after year one, and also the myriad changes that the Bears made in their front office. They fired the general manager and coach. They hired a new GM and a new coach and their names are the same, Ryan and Matt. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny how that works. Um,
1: George McCaskey had an interesting decision to make. Um, You know, it was pretty clear they were going to fire the coach, but there was a lot of talk and speculation that the general manager would stay. I think George did the right thing personally from the outside looking in. If you're going to make a change and and you want to change the culture of your organization, your team, you've got to make a complete change from the top on down. And um, the top of the football operation was the general manager. Um, Now, I know there were other people who's talked about, well, they should should have gotten rid of Ted Phillips as well. Uh, I don't buy that necessarily. Uh, I think the football operation is what needs to be fixed in Chicago. And that's what George McCaskey endeavored to do. I don't know a lot about the man he hired for general manager. I know he's off a very good staff in Kansas City. They've had tremendous success. Certainly he has the pedigree. The head coach they hired is an excellent defensive coordinator. And I think uh, Matt Eberflus is a guy who earned an opportunity to step in and and make his way as a head coach. He's earned that job. How good will he be? I don't know. Nobody knows, but certainly uh, they feel like they, uh, they made the right hire there. I think the hire he made off the Packers squad is going to pay big dividends for the quarterback in Chicago, and that's Luke Getze. I've been super impressed with him. I really have. Um, there's no one in this building that works harder than him. There's no one that cares more than him. So uh, we're off to a great start, and um, you know he's really accepted this challenge. Uh, we've asked, we're asking a lot of him to, to learn a lot of new things, and um, no, he's been a pleasure to work with. Bringing him in to be the offensive coordinator to, I think, take a a personal hand in developing that young quarterback in Chicago will make all the difference in the world. The coaching, the offensive philosophy, everything's going to be changing in Chicago, but I think it might be changing for the better. And as far as the quarterback goes, here's my impression and the impression of the people I talk to, um, and that is all the physical tools are there. And it appears the intangibles are there. He appears to be a good young man, works hard. It means something to him. It's his business. It's his job. And he loves it. Okay? Those are intangibles that are very important. Well, none of us know. And the thing we saw last year, he struggled to read defenses. There was no question about that. Most young quarterbacks do. But now the question is, beyond reading defenses, does he have the quick twitch mental ability that all the great quarterbacks, and there are only a handful of them, all of them have. And that is to be able to, at the snap of the ball, take a look at the defense. As the ball is snapped, see the defense move, and know exactly where to go with the ball. Here's Fields, lines up. That's reading at a much higher level than just reading a defense. Does he have that ability? I don't know. Um, Can they teach him that? That's something that's God given. You can learn how to read defenses. And I'm sure he'll, he knows how to read defenses, but can he do it at that Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady level,
0: Patrick Mahomes level? Um, That's the key. Well, that sounds to me like just football IQ. So you arrived here in 1985. And what a year it was, of course, for the Bears. And in June that year, you had a rather interesting meeting with a Hall of Famer whose name is Dick Butkus. Tell me a story I don't know about that encounter.
1: (laughs) Well, um, you know, our uh, program director at WGN at the time um, put together this broadcast team. He hired me from Kansas City and nobody knew who I was in Chicago. He hired Jim Hart, uh, who had actually grown up in uh, St. Charles, Illinois. Now, he needs to um, make this broadcast, this new radio broadcast, Chicago. So who is the quintessential bear? Well, there were basically two of them out there. Uh, There was Gail Sayers uh, and there was Dick Butkus. And of all the uh, people that uh, say bears, who says it better than Butkus? Queen Lerothy with Jim Hart and Dick Butkus. We're at Soldier Field where the Giants and Bears are scoreless. We've got 639 left to go. First period of play. Giants out of first and 10 from their 21-yard line. Landetta from his end zone. Bears look at good field position. Oh, he, oh, he missed misses. this!
4: is the football! He missed, he missed. on the field! All right, right! It's Sean Gale! Holy smoke! <laughs> <laughs> They're talking about the field goal kicker. What about the punter? <laughs> oh,
1: my. Oh, man. And so um, Dick is an actor out in uh, the L.A. area living in Malibu. And, uh, you know, uh, my boss goes and... and persuades dick to come to to chicago on weekends to do the bears games said to him you don't have to study and know all these football things or anything like that just come be at the games and be kind of a fan surrogate so when something good happens yeah all right when something bad happens yeah oh, come on <laughs> that kind of thing and dick by being a very good actor actually uh, mm-hmm. could do that do that very well and that's what he did but he, he made our broadcast chicago
0: Did you know General Motors 2021 Supplier of the Year is located in Hillside, Illinois? Dynamic manufacturing not only remanufactures transmissions for the likes of GM, but also as a state-of-the-art facility. Its capabilities include engineering new or existing products, along with manufacturing, machining, logistics, and re-energizing used batteries for electric cars and energy storage systems. I've seen their operation firsthand, and their nearly 1 million square feet of operating space is extremely impressive. Dynamic was founded by the late, great John Partipillo in 1955 and is still family-owned and operated by the next generation. For more information about Dynamic Manufacturing, visit their website at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. Dynamic Manufacturing, honor the legacy, pioneer the future. As we're mentioning that you first arrived in 1985, that's, of course, the, the great season for the Bears. They went on to win the Super Bowl. And I've maintained this all along, Wayne. I Arguably the best team in NFL history. What are your thoughts?
1: A lot of people feel that way, George. They certainly were defensively. There's no question about that in my mind. Um, they were a great defense and, and I think they were better than the Ravens defense of 2000 and, and so there've been several other good defenses, uh, past and, and present, but, um, this bears defense was intimidating and there's no question about it. They were a great football team in that regard. Offensively, I think they were efficient. And I think Jim McMahon had a flair. Uh, the thing that Jim McMahon did and, and the way he got them through the playoff games was very interesting. Uh, this is back before quarterbacks had a lot of say at the line of scrimmage. Um, the plays were being sent in from the sidelines. But Jim McMahon, every once in a while, and especially down to the red zone, would make key changes on a play. And he did that against the Giants to get the Packers, uh, get to the Bears a touchdown. Slot left and slot right with the wide receivers. Gentry comes in motion to the near side. Jumping on the line. The snap to McMahon. He pops flies the right side of the end zone for McMahon. catch
0: Great catch! Great catch! Made the catch over to the
1: ten, a penalty marker is down. I'm almost certain it's for offsides against the Giants. That is the
2: call. Touchdown, Chicago! All right, that's what you got to do when you get down there and score, man. that's
1: it. And he certainly did that against the Rams to get the the Bears to the Super Bowl. Made changes in plays where he saw something, and and he was that kind of a gifted uh, a quarterback mentally, Jim McMahon was the equal of most any quarterback. He, he certainly uh, had all the wherewithal. He could look at a, you know, it's funny, he and Ditka had run-ins all the time mm. and Mike didn't think he worked hard enough. And Jim could look at a reel of film and know everything he needed to know about that defense he was facing coming up on Sunday. It was just his photographic mind, his acumen for football reading defenses and that type of thing. He had great feel. The only thing he didn't have was great health. And, and that was um, that was the uh, bugaboo for the Bears and maybe why they didn't make it back to another Super Bowl. But McMahon was really a big key for that. Were the Bears the best team of all time? I think defensively they might have been for that one season. And, you know, I, I wouldn't argue with anyone who says they were the best single season team of all time.
0: You know, you just led me into my next question, which was why do you think those very talented Bears teams of the 80s never won again?
1: You know, it's interesting. You point to a number of things. Um, I mentioned the McMahon injury factor. Jim told me, I was with him. Matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, he was back for as an alumni for the Packers, believe it or not, because he did play in Green Bay. And he played, he backed up Brett Favre on the Packers Super Bowl 31 championship team. And Jim, t- we were talking a little bit about that uh, 86 season. And he missed most of training camp and came back. And he said, you know what? I should have never come back. My shoulder was shot. Uh, and that's before the Charles Martin uh, planting of jim mcmahon that basically uh, ended or changed his career as we know it
2: charles martin took the shot at mcmahon well after the ball was thrown and slammed into the turf you can the see play. the ball is gone and here's mcmahon standing there here comes martin
4: what is this
3: wow man that, that's, that that's is ridiculous. I, he should be out of the game
1: You know, so he had had some really bad injuries. He had a lacerated kidney in uh, 1984 in a game against the Raiders. You know, there were all kinds of things going on. Jim was a tough guy, as tough as they come, but that shoulder was a problem, and and he wasn't able to make it through the 86 season. That was one injury. But the other injury I want to point out is – uh, Les Frazier, who's gone on to become a head coach of the Vikings at one point, but really well-known as a defensive coordinator. I believe he's at Buffalo right now coordinating a defense that very well could land the Bills in the Super Bowl this year. Um, he was an ascending cornerback on that team. He and Mike Richardson were the two cornerbacks, but Les Frazier was becoming a star. Late in Super Bowl 20, he was back on a kicking teams, doing what he normally does and he blew out his knee, and it changed his career. He never was the same. Uh, I remember Ditka was just uh, irate with Steve Kazor at the time, who was the special team's uh, coach. Uh, Couldn't believe he had, um, you know, Les Frazier on the field. The game was in hand. It was over. Uh, But it it, it was just a very unfortunate moment. Those two changes. But the biggest thing that happened to the Bears, um, George, they were if they weren't the best team uh, in the history of the NFL – they were the team that had the most charisma of any championship team, the most divergent personalities, uh, the greatest egos, the most alpha dogs in one clubhouse, in <laughs> one club, room, uh, one locker room in NFL history. This is true. Opinion. And the loss to the 49ers uh, mm. in the NFC Championship the year before, and they played the 49ers without uh, Jim McMahon. That galvanized that group of personalities, those talents, and, and all the agendas that they had as individuals were galvanized for one season. There was no question they were going to win the Super Bowl in 1985. When we got to Platteville in uh, early or mid-July, uh, there was no question they were the most focused group of people I have ever been around. And that's not easy to do for a pro football team that has, what, now 53 uh, men on the roster. But they were that kind of galvanized and ready to go out and do it. And they certainly did. Uh, you know, they only lost one game, they stormed to the Super Bowl. But in achieving that goal, it unleashed all of these agendas from the head coach on down. And that changed everything. So they were good the next year. I think they went 14 and two. Um, but you could tell it wasn't the same Chicago Bears team. And so while we were all kind of shocked, they were beaten by a fairly mediocre Washington Redskins team in the first uh, divisional round of the playoffs at uh, Soldier Field, um, you wouldn't there was a part of you that said, hey, this wasn't the same Bears team that, is, that stormed to the championship in 8'5.
0: Refresh me, please, but why did you leave? and for the Packers, no less? <laughs>
1: oh, well, you know, it's funny because the two teams I followed as a kid, the two teams I always dreamed about were the New York Yankees and the Green Bay Packers. For some reason, the Packers, I guess I, I really loved the colors. Uh, as a little kid, green and gold were my uh, favorite colors. Um, I love the inter- interlocked NY on the Yankee pinstripes. That's why I became a Yankees fan. Oh, and by the way, in the 60s, when I was a little kid, those teams started winning and were winning big. Uh So, you know, that's really I became a fan of those two franchises. And I always said to myself, if I ever had a chance to broadcast for either one of those teams, but as my career evolved into football, I said, if I ever had a chance to broadcast the Green Bay Packers, I would have to take it. I would have to at least, uh, um, you know, uh, get involved with that. And maybe I wouldn't get the job, but I would at least, you know, make it known that I, <laughs> I I would love to do that. And so that opportunity came up in 1999, and that was the only reason I left Chicago. I would not have left the Bears for any other team or any other reason, and that was purely it. And I, I've said this story, people roll their eyes, they don't think it's true, And then, you know. Uh, people, people up in uh, uh, Wisconsin feel like, uh, you know, uh, they felt like I was a Bears fan when doing their games, And uh, they, they, you know, didn't realize I left Chicago to go to Green Bay. And and that was, um, you know, uh, to me, that was a a tradition. That was a transition that I had always expected to make. But George didn't realize how difficult a transition it would be. Um, And when that opportunity came up, it was not an easy slam dunk for me to to leave uh,
0: the Bears and go to the Packers, as I thought it would be um, earlier in my career in my life. My thanks to WGN Radio, Fox Sports, KMSP Minneapolis, the Packers Radio Network, and CBS TV for those memorable highlights. My thanks, as always, to TJ Reeves for being a guiding force behind this podcast, Will Hatzel for his expert editing and mixing, and Nick Tochi for our excellent graphics. And to our wonderful sponsors, Dynamic Manufacturing and Vienna Bee for their generous support. Tune in next week for part two with Wayne Larrabee on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote.
4: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support.